Scripture reading this morning is from the book of Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. If you have your Bibles with you, would you um, open, open up to Jeremiah and follow along with me? So again, it's Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb. Bef- I formed you in the womb. I, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Excuse me. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am o- only a youth, for to for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. It's the word of the Lord. All right, there we go. Good morning, everybody. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, uh, my name is Chad. I'm a pastoral resident here, and I am uh, happy to be here to look at uh, the story in Jeremiah and to continue our series in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, we've been going through this series throughout the summer. We're in kind of the final, last quarter of it, uh, where we are checking out stories from the Old Testament, specific people. Uh, and looking at how uh, in their lives, uh, the good that they did, uh, maybe the bad that they did, or the really ugly things that happened, how in all of that we could see uh, shadows and uh, images and and reflections of Jesus to come. Uh, So it's been, uh, I've I've been enjoying the series, uh, so I'm happy to be here to continue on in that with you. Let me pray to open us up. God, thank you that we get to come before you today uh, to read your word, to study it, uh, and to learn from it. Uh, Lord, may you be glorified uh, through this time, uh, and may we be edified uh, in knowing who you are and the opportunity to, to learn more about you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's an archetype uh, in, in stories and movies, books, TV shows, uh, an archetypal character called the reluctant hero. Uh, this is the person who... When they're presented with an adventure, or a quest, or a task, or whatever it is uh, that essentially serves the plot of the story, uh, they respond, as the title says, reluctantly. Uh, Maybe they're hesitant or fearful of of what's in front of them. Maybe they're selfish and not interested uh, in joining in with this. Uh, One of the the most classic examples of a reluctant hero is that of Han Solo in the original Star Wars movies, uh, where he really only gets involved because he's going to get paid a lot of money at the end of it. Uh, But I think a favorite of mine is that of the character Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit, uh, because he is a reluctant hero, not out of selfishness, like Han Solo, but out of fear and a desire of comfort. Uh, I want to read just a brief kind of portion from The Hobbit uh, that really gives a picture of kind of Bilbo's reluctancy as he is presented with an adventure. 
Uh, so Gandalf comes uh, to Bilbo, who is a hobbit. Hobbits are uh, creatures of comfort. Uh, they enjoy eating lots of food throughout the day, drinking with their friends at the pub, reading stories, taking naps, hanging out in fields. Uh, just a life of, of comfort and obscurity. Uh, Gandalf, a wizard, comes to invite uh, Bilbo on an adventure, and uh, he says, Gandalf says, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure that I am arranging, and it's very difficult to find anyone. Bilbo responds, I should think so in these parts. We are plain, quiet folk and have no use for adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. I can't think what anybody sees in them. I think we're often drawn to these types of characters because we can relate to them. Uh, I think we'd like to think that we would be like the, the classic hero, the, the Luke Skywalkers, Captain America, Harry Potter, who when presented with a challenge or an adventure, they, they kind of jump into it with gusto and, and heroism. Uh, but I think if we're honest, or for sure if, if I'm honest with myself, uh, I can relate with people more like Bilbo, who is cautious, uh, hesitant, fearful, uh, maybe, maybe uh, prefer uh, comfort and not stepping out into something unknown or, or, or challenging. Uh, people like that, when they are presented with a calling, they're just hesitant, they're fearful of that. Uh, we see in this, uh, in this chapter in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah is being called by God to be a prophet. He is receiving a call from God to go and to do and to serve him. And Jeremiah feels the same way that, that characters like Bilbo does. Uh, that he is hesitant, he is fearful, uh, he is unsure about this calling. Jeremiah's response in verse, uh, verse 6, when he receives this calling, is, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. He is reluctant about this calling. And Jeremiah is not alone in this. The Bible is full of uh, stories of people who receive a calling from God, and they are reluctant to take it up. Uh, two of the most classic examples, first is uh, uh, Moses, in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, uh, where he encounters God at the burning bush, and God tells him to go to uh, Egypt to free his people from slavery and to take them into this promised land uh, that he has designed for them. And Moses responds uh, with question after question after question after question, uh, saying, God, who am I to do this? How can I go about this task? How are they going to believe me? Uh, Moses is reluctant. Uh, Jonah is another classic example uh, where Jonah hears this call from God to go to Nineveh to tell them about God so that they might believe in him. Uh, and Jonah doesn't really argue with God. He just dips out in the other direction and completely ignores this calling that God has for him. Hesitations, fears, and doubts are a natural response to a call of God. Uh, the heroes of the Bible had them. Jeremiah had them. Uh, but what we see in this calling from Jeremiah is that when God calls us, he also gives us assurances in those callings. He doesn't just call us to go out and to do this thing, and he says, good luck with that. Uh, but God's calling ultimately comes with assurances. Assurances to address our doubts, our fears, and our hesitations. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this calling of Jeremiah and see what are the assurances that God offers to Jeremiah in this calling, uh, and how those uh, assurances I guess, how can we learn from those assurances as we follow God's calling? A bit of context first. Uh, last week, we looked at the story of Josiah, who was uh, king over Judah, which was the southern kingdom of Israel. Uh, at the time, uh, Israel had split into two kingdoms, and there had been generation after generation after generation of kings who uh, disobeyed God, who sinned, 
who broke the covenant. Uh, and ultimately, God had destined them uh, for exile, that because of their sin, uh, they were destined for exile. Josiah was a good king who uh, followed after God. Uh, we looked at the, the personal renewals that he had and the, uh, the kind of corporate reformation that he brought to the nation of Judah. Jeremiah was, was a boy during the life of Josiah, that he grew up in these reforms and these reformations, uh, that he had experienced his own kind of personal renewal in that uh, and was heavily influenced by Josiah. In fact, the calling that we have here in Jeremiah 1 takes place during the life of Josiah. However, the bulk of the prophetic ministry of Jeremiah takes place uh, during the lives of Josiah's sons, uh, evil kings, and then ultimately into the beginning years of Israel's exile at the hand of Babylon. So that is the nature in which God is calling Jeremiah to be a prophet. Uh, trials, tribulations, really a hard time to, be, uh, to follow this calling from God. So what are these assurances? Uh, we're going to see in God's calling that he offers us four assurances uh, as we follow our own calling from him. Uh, the first is that God proactively calls. God proactively calls. Uh, let's look at verses 4 and 5. Uh, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, came to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. The first thing that we see here is that God speaks to Jeremiah, uh, that he speaks to him and calls him specifically. Uh, and that for us, God speaks to us and calls us if we listen to him, which is a crazy fact to think about. The God of the universe, the God who upholds all things, speaks to us and calls us into the work that he has laid before us. Uh, before I think we jump into the rest of the passage, I think it's important just to kind of cover uh, how can we discern a calling from the Lord? How do we know that he's calling us? How can we kind of, if we feel like he might be calling us into something, uh, maybe a, a vocation change or a way of uh, living life or something around our family or whatever it might be, how can we discern that calling? Uh, I want to offer up four, uh, four ways that we can discern a calling from the Lord that kind of work together. Uh, these we don't necessarily see in Jeremiah, but they do come from Scripture uh, and my own kind of personal experience. So how do we discern a call from the Lord? Uh, first, uh, we, uphold, we hold it up to Scripture. Uh, that we, we take this calling that we feel like we have from the Lord and compare it with Scripture. Uh, is it aligned with what Scripture says, the commands of God in Scripture? Is it aligned with how he has called us to live as believers? And if it is, that's, you know, that's a pretty good sign uh, that that might be a calling from the Lord. Uh, but if it contradicts Scripture, if, if, it, uh, if you feel like you have this call to go do this thing uh, that stands in opposition to Scripture, it's a safe bet that that's not from God, because God will not contradict Scripture. So the first way we discern a call from God is to, to hold it up to Scripture, to look at it in light of Scripture. Uh, the second is to look at it in light of our own kind of desires and makeup and who we are as a person. You know, what are you passionate about? Uh, what do you care about? What are you gifted in? What are you skilled at? Uh, oftentimes God calls us into things that are aligned with the ways that he has made us and the people that he has made us to be. We can also look at our own history and our circumstances, that we look at uh, where have we come from, what experiences have we, have we had, what has God brought us through, because uh, oftentimes uh, where God is leading us uh, is, is kind of in reflection of where he has brought us through. So the things that we have gone through, uh, he uses to take us to where he is going. But then we also look at our present circumstances. Uh, what opportunities are around us? Do we feel like God's calling us into something? And if so, are there, are there opportunities to kind of to step into that and to follow him with that? 
And the last way that we can discern a call from the Lord is uh, by relying on other people, other people who know us, uh, who know God, that we can bring it before them, and they can, you know, affirm, does, does this sound like something that God might be leading me into? Uh, is this something you could pray for me over? Does this kind of make sense with who I am as a person? That we take scripture, we take our own kind of desires and our makeup as a person, uh, we look at our history and our circumstances, and we, we take relationship with other people, and often all of those kind of work together to help us to discern a calling from the Lord. Um, yeah, there's a lot there that I kind of glossed over. So if you want to, you know, if you kind of, if you feel like, I feel like I might have this calling for the Lord, but I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how to how to discern that or what to do with that. Uh, please come to talk to me afterwards. Um, yeah, I'd love to help you kind of figure that out. But that is how we discern a calling from the Lord. Jeremiah has received this calling from the Lord, and what we see in here is that God first says to him uh, in verse five that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you that God knew Jeremiah before he even had a physical presence in this world, before he was formed in the womb, God knew Jeremiah. And that's the same thing for us, that that God knew us before we had any physical presence in this world, uh, before we were born, that he knew us intimately, that he knows us uh, better than we know ourselves, better than our spouse knows us, better than our family knows us, better than our closest friends know us, uh, that he knows us so intimately, and therefore... When he calls us, it is not an accident. That he is not mistaking you for someone else. He's not thinking that you are maybe gifted in a certain way that you're not. Uh, That he knows you so much. So his calling of you is no accident. It's not a mistake. And also that God designs us specifically. Again, in verse 5, it says, Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations that before Jeremiah was born, that God was creating him, was crafting him, using his personality and his experiences and his skills for this purpose in this calling as a prophet. So for us, our personality, our characteristics, the skills that we have, the experience that we've gone through, all of it is considered as God calls us. And God doesn't make mistakes when he calls, even when we feel like it. I don't know about you, but there's you know, times where I felt like I've been called by God into something, and I'm like, I just, I don't think this is for me. Like, I don't think, uh, you know, I think you've picked the wrong person for this. You know, I can definitely see other people who are better at this. I can remember the first time uh, that I felt God was leading me into vocational ministry when I was a college student, Uh, and I I definitely felt unqualified, unprepared, the wrong person for the job. Uh, I was looking around at other people uh, my age who I felt were a lot more spiritually mature than me, people who I felt like probably loved God more than me or were uh, better in their spiritual disciplines and were more active in sharing their faith. All these things that I thought was what you needed to be in vocational ministry, and yet God was calling them to something else. Uh, But he was calling me into this work in ministry. I had a lot of doubts and a lot of fears over that. I felt like he was making a mistake. Um, But in that, I was faithful in following him. It's been about 10 years of of doing ministry, and I've seen uh, how he has used me in that. Uh, that there was things about me that I didn't know were there, ways that he created me that I hadn't realized were there until I trusted him into that calling. So how can you have confidence when God calls you? You can have confidence because you can trust his calling is no accident and he has created you how you are, that he is proactive in his calling of us. The second assurance that God offers us in our callings is that it is God's authority, not my own. I think it may be 
missed one. Uh, so our second point is, is God's authority, not my own. Oftentimes when we follow a calling of God, uh, it often feels like it is, is too big for us, uh, that it is too much for us, that we uh, are too small for the task that he has put in front of us. But we see, what we see here, uh, specifically in verse 7, uh, it says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. That we do not rely on our own authority as we follow a calling of God. That we are relying on the authority of God. That he calls us to be his ambassadors, uh, to act on his behalf. And with that comes his authority. That it is his authority that he gives us. It is not our own. We are acting out of his authority, not our own. Uh, John Piper uh, wrote an article about this passage uh, and, and addressing this verse, he says, What all this means to us, to the degree that you are led by God into a path of service today, and to the degree that your words conform to what the Bible really teaches, to that degree, to, to the sense that we feel like we're being called by God and it's a genuine call of the Lord, to that degree can you say with Jeremiah, I am not here by my own commission, nor do I speak by my own authority, but I am sent by God and what he commands is what I say. I am humbled by my youth, but I am encouraged that my commission and my word is not my own. That my commission and my word is not my own. This should bring us freedom as we pursue where God is calling us. That you do not have to justify yourself in this calling because he has already done that. That you do not have to prove that you are worthy for this calling because he has already done that. That you are acting on behalf of the God of creation who has authority over all things that we are acting as his ambassadors and being given his authority to do the work that he has called us to do. Uh, in the campus ministry that I was a part of, we, we had a definition for evangelism uh, that I think kind of highlights this idea, uh, that we would define evangelism as sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. And I think as, as we all pursue and follow where God is calling us, uh, we are acting out in the same way, that we are faithfully following him in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we have the Holy Spirit to empower us in that, and that we're leaving the results to God, that, that he is the one who brings genuine change, um, and that we are just partnering with him in this work that he is doing. That it is ultimately his authority, not our own, as we pursue our calling from him. The third assurance that we see uh, comes from verse 8, uh, where it says, uh, God responds to Jeremiah and says, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. We see that God is present, that when he calls us, he is present in that calling. Uh, oftentimes we see in stories, uh, that in the kind of the classic hero story, uh, that he has this wise, older mentor character who, who teaches this hero the things that he needs to learn, uh, teaches him how to do the things that he is called to do. But at some point in that story, that wise, older mentor uh, goes away, maybe he gets captured or killed or, or, or something like that, uh, that he leaves this hero alone, uh, and the hero kind of comes to this conflict where he needs to, you know, it's kind of for the first time he is addressing uh, this conflict on his own, that he doesn't have the mentor with him, uh, and usually he overcomes it to realize, okay, I can do what this thing, you know, I can, I can do this task that is before me. Here's the thing, though. God is not like that. He is not like that wise older mentor who eventually leads midway through the story and leaves us on our own in what he's called us to do. God is present in all circumstances, 
That when God calls you to do the things that he has before you, that he is present with you every step of the way in that journey. That we are never alone. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, I think, shows a a beautiful picture of this. uh, Where Joshua, uh, Moses has died, and Joshua is appointed leader over Israel. And God has commanded Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. Uh, to take them out, you know, they've come out of slavery and they're going into this land. Uh, and it, it's presented with challenges. They're going to have to fight to earn it. Uh, but God calls Joshua to do this. And in that calling, when he calls him to do this, God promises to Joshua that I will never leave you nor forsake you. That as God is leading him into this promised land, as he's leading Israel into the promised land, that he promises multiple times that he will never leave them nor forsake them. And that promise is true for us today as it was uh, back in Joshua's time. That as God is calling us, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And when you are living out your calling from God and things get tough, uh, because it probably will get tough, that's inevitable, you can rest on the knowledge that you are not alone in that. When the next step seems scary, when the next uh, journey in front of you uh, seems intimidating, you can have confidence because your Father is there the Father who upholds the entire universe, uh, who it's through him all things can happen, that that God is with you as you journey with him. That God is present. The last assurance that we have in our calling as we pursue our calling from God uh, comes in verses 9 and 10. And it says, uh, Then the Lord put, his hand and touch, put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overflow, to build and to plant. So not only is God present when he calls us, but he also equips us for the work that he's calling us to do. That God equips people for his work. Uh, Jeremiah's initial hesitation in this calling to be a prophet uh, is that I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. I do not know how to speak. So what does the Lord do? Uh, he reaches out and touches the mouth of Jeremiah and promises that you have my words, that God has given Jeremiah his words. Jeremiah is worried that he can't speak. God's like, I got you. You can have my words. You will speak on my behalf. I've already mentioned Moses from Exodus 3, uh, but I want to kind of dive into that a little bit more because I think this is also a great example of how God equips his people when they are hesitant. That Exodus chapter 3 and 4, again, God has called Moses uh, to go to Egypt to free his people from slavery. And Moses uh, offers up kind of four questions, four hesitations in that. The first, um, Moses says, who am I to do this task? You've called me to go to Egypt and to do this. Who am I to do this task? And God responds uh, that he will be with him. He says, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So Moses' initial hesitation, who am I to do this? God says, I will be there with you. I will equip you in that way. Then Moses responds, uh, if I go, who will I say sent me? They're going to ask you, who sent you to do this thing? Who am I to say that? And God responds, you can tell them that I am who I am, that I am sends you. Then Moses responds again by saying, even if I do that, they're not going to believe me. How are they going to believe me that you have actually called me? So what does God do? He gives Moses two miraculous signs to show that he is, in fact, sent by God. Uh, the first thing is he, he, Moses had a staff, 
And God said, you can throw it on the ground, and when you do that, it's going to turn into a serpent. And then when you go pick up that serpent, it's going to turn back into a staff. And the second sign is that you can take your hand, which is healthy, and stick it inside your cloak pocket, and when you pull it back out, it's going to be sick, it's going to be leprous. And then when you stick that hand back into the cloak pocket and pull it out, it's going to be healed. That God offers him these two miraculous signs to prove to them, to show to them that God has in fact sent them. And then Moses' last thing is like, in, in spite of all of that, I don't think I can do this because I am not eloquent, that I am slow of speech. And what does God say? He says, who made man's mouth? I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. That even in Moses' weakness, even in uh, his slow of speech, God says, I will be your mouth. I will speak through you. That excuse after excuse after excuse that Moses had God says, I will do the work to support you and that I will equip you for this journey that I have before you. And it's the same for us, that as we follow God's calling, uh, and we feel uh, ill-equipped in that, and when we're not sure how we can do it or if we have the skills to do it, God will equip us in that journey. Part of the journey might be a process of learning how to do the things that he has called us to do, uh, but you can guarantee that he is there with you to equip you, to strengthen you, uh, and, and to uh, be with you throughout that task. So those are the four assurances that we have as we pursue God's calling. Uh, that he proactively calls us, uh, that he uh, is with us, that he equips us, and that we are acting out on his authority, not our own. But you'll notice that one of God's assurances to Jeremiah is not that his calling will be easy. In fact, God is very upfront with Jeremiah his calling is going to be very difficult and challenging. That the work that he's called to do is to uh, pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to over, overthrow. That he was called to be a prophet at a time, to tell Judah that they are bound for exile. That because of their sin, God has punished them for exile. And that Jeremiah is going to live during these initial periods of exile, which is not a great time. Uh, and, and over and over and over again, as you read through Jeremiah, you see that Judah regularly rejects everything that Jeremiah has to say. In fact, there's one point where uh, they read, Jeremiah kind of writes down this prophecy on a scroll, and they read it before the people. And while they're reading it, the king at the time cuts up the scroll and burns it in the midst of it. So Jeremiah is called to a task that is not easy, that is full of rejection. Uh, eventually, he's going to be exiled to Egypt in the midst of their exile in Babylon, that he, he is rejected by his people. We often do not have the benefit that Jeremiah had of knowing the result of what God has called us into. But what we do know is that following God's calling does not guarantee that things will be easy or be comfortable. Yet in light of that, uh, we can ultimately look to Jesus who sets the example uh, of one who has followed God's calling in the face of uh, trials and tribulations and, and uh, really hard situations. Uh, for that, I want to look at Luke chapter 2, uh, which is, uh, Luke chapter 2. Jesus, uh, it's the night that he is about to be betrayed. Uh, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, knowing what is in front of him, knowing that in a couple hours he will be unjustly arrested, that he will be abused, uh, that he will be crucified. And more than that, while he is on the cross, he knows that he is facing the wrath of God. That while being on the cross, he uh, will receive the wrath that we all deserve for our sin. Uh, he will experience 
the, the pain and the separation that comes with that. Wrath that we, I don't think, fully understand. We, you know, we read the story of Jesus on the cross and we see him suffering and we know what that means, yet I don't think we can fully uh, internalize or, or imagine the kind of pain and suffering that he experienced on our behalf, facing the wrath of God. So this is on Jesus' mind as he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane in this chapter to pray. Uh, starting in verse, uh, Luke 22, verse 41, it says, And he, Jesus, withdrew, them, uh, withdrew from them his disciples about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus knew what was waiting for him as he followed God the Father's calling. He knew what was in front of him, and yet he faithfully followed his calling. He did ask, you know, God, if there was another way for you to accomplish your goal, if there was another way that your people could know you, uh, to be in right relationship with you, to experience salvation, if there was any other way to do that, God, please do that. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. I will faithfully follow you into this, even knowing what awaits me. And because Jesus followed his calling, we can now experience new life. And because Jesus followed his calling, we can now receive a calling from God because he has allowed us to be in right relationship with God. That we can know God because of Jesus, and then we can receive a calling for him as his image bearers. Not only that, but because Jesus followed his calling, we can turn to him when it is hard and difficult to pursue the, what God has called us into. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 talks about how Jesus is a great high priest uh, who can sympathize us in all things, and with whom we can draw near to receive mercy and grace when it is hard to follow God's calling. When we don't know how we're going to take this next step, when we're uncertain of what's before us, uh, we can turn to Jesus knowing that he has experienced the same thing uh, to a greater degree and that he was faithful in it and that we can turn to him for strength, we can turn to him for mercy, we can turn to him for grace as we faithfully follow what God has called us into. So church, what is God calling you into right now? Uh, are, you, are you currently in a process of following him where he has called? Are you in the process of discerning, uh, you know, maybe that he's calling you into something new? What, what is God calling you into right now? And what assurances do you need to cling to in order to be faithful to his calling? Of all these assurances uh, that he is with us, that he equips us, that he is proactive in his calling, uh, that we act out of his authority, which of those assurances do you need to cling on to to be faithful to where he is calling you? Know that God is faithful and you can trust in him as he leads you where he's taking you. And for those of you who maybe wouldn't consider yourselves a follower of Jesus, uh, this message still applies to you. You know, what God is calling you into is a life of faith. He's calling you to believe that what Jesus said about himself is true and that what Jesus did is true. He's calling you to believe in him, to receive forgiveness of your sins, and to faithfully trust him with the rest of your life. And I pray that you would do that. Let's close out in prayer. God, thank you that you call us, that you invite us to partner with you in the work uh, that you have before us. Uh, 
that you are Lord over our lives, uh, and that, that as we turn to you, that you, you dictate uh, the journey in front of us. Whether that's a new job that you're calling us into, uh, or a way of kind of structuring family life, uh, or uh, how you want us to, to budget and use our money, or to be intentional with sharing our faith with those around us. Lord, thank you that you call us, and that you lead us, and that you partner with us. And Lord, thank you that you're calling. Uh, you do not leave us alone in that, but that you are faithful to stay, uh, that you give us assurances that you are there with us, and that we are not alone. Lord, thank you for, uh, yeah, for those promises. Jesus, thank you that you were faithful for your calling and that we are able to now even pray to you because you were faithful for that calling. We are so grateful for you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. As we move to uh, communion, uh, communion is a time that we have every week to remember and to celebrate that Jesus was faithful in his calling. Uh, that as he prayed in, in the Garden of Gethsemane and he knew that his crucifixion was in front of him, uh, that he was faithful in that calling. That as we take the bread and remember that his body was broken, as we drink the juice and remember uh, the blood that forgave us of our sins, we do so in remembrance and celebration. So I ask that if you're a follower of Jesus, that you would partake in this. Uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd encourage you to, to receive him, uh, to receive that forgiveness, to, to, to step into that calling uh, that is before you to, uh, to know him and to experience new life in him. So let us eat and drink and remember and celebrate that we have a Savior who is faithful in his calling.